Hey there! Welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in the province. My name is Mason Gardner, and today we're connecting with Brianna Rosada, who is diagnosed with cancer in her early 20s. We'll chat about how it altered her life and what she learned from it. Join us! Happy New Year, everyone. We've made it to 2021 and the second season of the What Connects Us podcast. If you listen to any of our season one podcasts, welcome back and thank you so much for joining us again. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, sit down, stay a while, because we have a ton of real personal stories from Saskatchewan people that will help inspire and connect you to the province after a year where we were physically pushed apart. We're officially leaving 2020 where it belongs, in our hindsights, and focusing on a brand new year with a completely different identity. This is exactly why our guest this week is perfect for this episode, because she's currently on her own path of closing one chapter where her resilience was tested and starting a brand new one on her own terms. In a few seconds, you'll get to meet Brianna Zada, who is pretty much the sweetest person you'll ever meet. She is so full of life and optimism that you would never guess that she was diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was just 23 and found herself in a fight for her life when it was really just beginning. Cancer is also a deeply personal topic for me as both of my parents have had it and six years ago, I lost my dad to it. Battling cancer is something that a lot of us dread and can only imagine. So Brianne is going to share her story and give us an idea of what battling cancer is like, the impacts of it emotionally, physically, and financially, and how it set her life on a different path. She'll also share with us how she's in the process of leaving that narrative behind her, and she's now leaning into an empowered identity of being both a mom and a fierce entrepreneur in Regina through Art House by Brianna Zada. Our first episode of season one was all about having your identity stolen, and season two is kicking off with the story of what it takes to take it back. What connects us to Brianne? Let's find out. Brianna Zada, thank you for joining us. Thank you for battling the elements outside for braving the tundra and the winter drivers in order to be here today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on here. You have such a great story. I can't wait to get into it. But let's just jump in with a quick introduction. Who is Brianna Zada? Give us some background on who you are so we can better understand your story. Oh boy. Okay. So I think I see myself as still kind of a farm girl from mm, Sask. Right. Um, I grew up outside of Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and I grew up... Um, driving the combine yeah, and picking stones in the field and right. tending to football field size gardens. And I really feel like um, I connect more to like 70 year olds yeah. in Sask than I do to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the average millennial. Right. And so, yeah, it was an awesome upbringing. Um, hard work and community was really emphasized. Right. Whereabouts outside of Yorkton? Um, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, yeah about um, one mile yeah, down I'm the highway. I'm originally from Lemberg, which is... I think it's about 45 minutes away from Yorkton, that sort of area. I grew up in a small town too. So I totally yeah, relate to that. Yeah, yeah, totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that side of me. But then there's also this other fierce side of me that also wanted something completely different. Mm. And so um, after high school, I went on to move to Regina and I um, started a double degree program at the University of Regina. And outside of that, I actually would move to Vancouver from May to September, where mm. I would work as a model. Um, that seems like a past life right. by now. <laughs> yeah. But that that was a really cool big city experience. Mm -hmm. And then um, once I started finishing up my first degree, I met my partner, Eric. Mm. We became engaged and married. And then um, 
two months after we were married, I was diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. Yeah, it was a big surprise. Um, And then after that, I guess after successful treatments, um, I was blessed with two children. And then I started my own business called Art House. Wow, this is this is a lot to go through. And I can't wait to jump into that. How did you get from Ryan to the big city for modeling? Like what kind of sparked that in you? (laughs) Um, Well, it just kind of happened in a way. There was a few photographers that I had met and then I was approached by a modeling agency and then I I ended up out there. And honestly, it was the adventure I needed. Mm -hmm. I'm the middle child, the independent, rebellious middle child. (laughs) And I needed to be let free. And it really was the best experience. Mm -hmm. But it also highlighted that um, I love I love where I'm from, yeah. and so it's a great place to go and visit, but right now I'm very happy in Sask. Awesome. So before we really dive into the meat and potatoes, we're getting close to a year since COVID-19's arrival in the province. I know I'm feeling it, but I want to know how you've been doing personally through the pandemic, especially being a mother and an entrepreneur through all of this. I am deep into Seesaw online learning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are, hey? Um, no, it, it's actually, it's it's been great. I have a three and a Mm five-year-old. And so things are really busy, kind of crazy, Um, but it's a blessing Mm -hmm. because they do keep us so busy. Um, Some days I wish they were teenagers in the basement playing video (laughs) games. Yeah. Yep. Um, (laughs) Instead of constantly in my face, but most days it's the best and we're having a lot of fun making the best of it. Totally. It's almost a gift in a way. Like it's obviously a really tough time and things like that, but you get to see parts of their life that you wouldn't if if this situation weren't happening. Yes. And I think also as a cancer survivor, I have a unique perspective Absolutely. on COVID-19 mm. just because I've I've lived this life before mm. where I've been isolated, um, couldn't see many people because I had zero immune system. Yeah. And so, and life also felt like it was standing still, right. which I know that that's how a lot of people feel right yeah. now. And so if anybody um, should protect the vulnerable or understand why we should, it's me yeah. for sure. You should provide some tutoring or something like that for <laughs> us and how to deal with this whole isolation thing, but I guess we'll jump into that for sure. So let's get into it. Tell me about what life was like for you prior to your diagnosis. I feel like life was extremely simple. Mm. Um, I had just finished up a first degree and I was doing some modeling and just having fun. I had met my my partner, Eric, Mm -hmm. and we were newly engaged, planning a wedding. Um, It was really, really simple, Mm -hmm. lovely. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then how did you uncover the cancer? Tell me about that moment where something started feeling wrong for you to go get checked out. Oh, well, this is this is a little bit of a a story because I have to take you back to grade nine. Mm, Sure. (laughs) Um, My mom had found a lump underneath my right armpit. She noticed that I I hadn't. I was Mm -hmm. feeling completely fine. We went. um, They did surgery to remove it. The results came back. Everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward. Um, years later, I was teaching at my desk. I, uh, my double degree program was ed and then arts as well. Right. And so I was teaching and I felt a lump above my right collarbone and things went pretty quickly from there. I was, we did a quick biopsy where we, we take out cells, um, just using like a needle and mm-hmm. it came back atypical. So then after that I was scheduled for, um, a lymph node removal mm. because that's what was swollen was a lymph node. Right. And it was the strangest thing. I went in for a day surgery thinking they would put me out. No, no. They kept me awake. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
And I remember, oh, I had a wonderful doctor and he um, he talked me through it. I laid there as he cut into my neck and removed like an egg sized lymph node. And oh my gosh. And showed it to me in real time. <laughs> like it was the most bizarre thing. And so that that was first. And then um, Does he make like small talk with you while he's oh, doing yeah, this? We were he's chatting. like, what'd you get for Christmas this year? Like it was bizarre. Yeah. And then after that, um, I waited for the results. And he called me back a week later and said everything was fine. Mm. And I knew it wasn't. Um, there was something, I remember exactly where I was, just hanging up and being like, mm, no. Right. <laughs> the thing, the crazy thing was, I actually didn't have many symptoms. Yeah. Like, the only other symptom I has, had was I didn't have a sore throat, but my, yeah. uh, my um, tonsils were swollen. Okay. And so I went to the doctor and he pushed me away saying, you have some sort of infection, go. Right. And so there was nothing leading up to it. Yeah. But then, sure enough, two weeks after that first phone call I received from him, he said, a histology report came back that was different. And in fact, it is cancer. It's just a really rare type. Oh, it mm -hmm. seems like that happens all the time. Hey, like you get cleared, you get that like level of hope and then it comes back like, oh, we didn't notice it because it was a rare version of it. Yeah. And honestly, it was it was a bit of a relief mm. knowing that, OK, like I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is it that like your intuition was telling you like something was telling you that something's wrong here? Do you know what? I'm going to go out there and just say that I am an intuitive person. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember, this is so crazy, but I remember sitting in like a grade nine assembly and there was this motivational speaker who had beat cancer, came and talked to the class and gave a stat to our school saying one in four of you will get cancer, which is a scary thing to tell a whole bunch of children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he said that. And I remember feeling like, well, that's me. Yeah, that's me. And I just I I don't know. There's these things that happen along life. And I wonder, oh, the craziest thing is, you know, I talked about grade nine. They removed that lump. Yeah. Um, once I was actually into the Alan Blair Cancer Center, my oncologist called for that sample back yeah. and they had it looked at and it was cancerous. <gasps> they had just missed it. Really? Mm -hmm. and would so that have made a difference? Would they have been able to catch it earlier and do something less invasive? I. It, <laughs> Depending on the type, they might not have even treated it. They might have mm. just watched it, but it would have been like a childhood lymphoma yeah. that I carried for a very long time. Yeah. So what is it's stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma you had, right? That's correct. So tell me about what that is. Yeah, yeah. And so stage three, um, well, I guess I'll start with Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a cancer of the white blood cells. Mm. Um, so it plays a big part in your immune system. Um and basically stage three means that um, it's it was in my chest and it was in my neck and that um, it was moving to stage three means it was moving to a different organ outside of the lymph nodes, okay. which in my case was my spleen. Right. And so it is it's not an early catch, but yeah. it's not stage four. And right. so I was lucky that way. Stage four is when it's like all around your yeah. body, like it's made it to your liver mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. And Ouch. so I was, I was lucky in that way, but yeah, it was a bizarre road getting there. Totally. What's it like to receive that news? Like you go from focusing on your career, thinking that like mm -hmm. the biggest thing you have to worry about is whether you need to pick up something from the grocery store. And now everything just kind of focuses on that one news. What's that like? I was standing in our kitchen in our little condo and I received the call and I remember hanging up the phone, like politely saying thank you mm. for that information. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and hanging up the phone and feeling almost nothing, going mm. to the couch and feeling like I should like should be crying. I think I was stunned. I was shocked. Um, about 20 minutes later, I called my partner, Eric, and I said, 
um, this is what's happening. Maybe you want to come home. And he raced home. And even when he was there, I felt like I had to like conjure up emotions. It was the, it was the weirdest thing. Um, I guess until you're there and then you just feel maybe a bit of denial, shock. And that's where I sat for a good little while. Totally. I feel like, so both my parents have had cancer. I lost my dad to cancer. And I felt like I went through a similar experience too, where you see on movies and TV shows, they receive this news and there's this like emotional breakdown moment. And it's almost like your brain is delayed in processing it. It like, it's like, it doesn't want to give you that information yet until you can wrap it, your head around it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's news you never want to get, but no. it's life, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So what was treatment like? Where, what do you, mm-hmm. what do you do? You get the news. Where do you go from there? Oh, there's all sorts of interesting things. Chemo is definitely not the first place you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heart scans, tests. I had um, PET scans, which is a very interesting yeah. thing. That's yeah. where you drink the liquid, right? No, they, they inject it in your IV. They come in. So oh. you're put into a room. They put you in a dark room and they come in with a giant metal box and they pull out this big metal needle and they put this radioactive material into your body. Oh my gosh. And then this is the best part. They turn off the lights. And they tell you're in a recliner. They tell you not to think about anything for 30 minutes because you don't want to stimulate your brain. Yeah. So it's a great place to be, to not think about anything. Because the, the, it's like the goo is like, it glows, right? Where the cancer yes, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then basically they put you through the PET scan and it it's the scans themselves are beautiful. The, like the cancer lights up like Christmas tree. It's right. crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you do the tests, um, bone marrow. They had to take out some bone marrow to make sure that it wasn't in my bones. That also was an experience. Yeah. I'll tell you. Ouch. Yeah. So basically I went in to see Dr. Khan and he was my oncologist the first time. And he's like, I'm just going to take you to the side room and we're going to take out a little bit of bone marrow. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Puts me down, lays me down. Um, you can't freeze bone. There's no way. Right. So he pulls out this big old needle and I'm, he tells me to hold Eric's hand and then he tries to crack through the bone with the needle and it was not happening. Oh my gosh. I think that he was used to like the average 60 year old going yeah. through there, not a 23 year old. Totally. And so he couldn't get through. He's like, I'm going to have to book you for day surgery. So I go, <gasps> yeah. So I go back a couple days later and this time I have an anesthetist, which is fantastic. Yeah. And so they start again and they bend the needle. My bo- I have very strong bones. Apparently. Yeah. I'm high as a kite at this point, <laughs> but I have to wait. And I don't know how long I waited until they got a new needle, but eventually yeah. it happened. And so all of those things were done. You go to the Allen Blair Cancer Center um, and then a plan is made. And for myself, that was six rounds of R-CHOP chemotherapy, mm-hmm. basically a toxic cocktail that is going to try and kill you almost. Yeah. Almost. Right. Totally. <laughs> um, and so... They were going to treat it quite aggressively, and I, I think I was pretty. I knew I would be sick. Right. Um. But my first treatment, nothing prepares you for that. Right. You go in, and I was with my mom and my sister, and uh, I remember looking across the room, and in front of me was a sixty-year-old man. I probably getting his first treatment, yeah. just bawling, like breaking down in front of me. And I remember just being like, "Oh, okay, like this is this is real totally. at that point." And it's. A 23-year-old to wrap your head around that, like, you have just started your life. What, how did treatment impact you on both that physically and that emotional side? Um, physically, well, I went to bed that first night after chemo. I came home immediately, 
growing up, that yeah. kind of thing. And I remember going to bed that night being because I just had no reference of mm-hmm. cancer in my life ever. Right. I was like, am I going to die mm-hmm. in my sleep? Like, am I going to wake up tomorrow? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Yeah. But like, I just had no idea like as these, to what was going to happen. These chemicals are running through your yeah. body. You don't know what they're doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, I did, I got really sick. There was nerve pain. There was all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it's the mental game, right? It's, right. it's, you lose all of your hair. And as a young woman, that's an interesting yeah. place to be. Um, you do that. And honestly, your life just kind of stops. Right. You see everybody around you. People love you. They're there supporting you. But their life continues on and you feel kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. You get, you receive flowers and you feel like you're attending your own funeral. Oh, yeah. And it's... <laughs> I can't. I can't even <laughs> imagine what that's like. Yeah. Uh, I do. If I, um, I mean, flowers, I will take flowers any day. But at that point, there were a lot coming and I, it was an interesting yeah, experience. Like flowers is like grief. <laughs> It is like when people don't yeah. know what to do, it's like, yeah. I feel sad for this person. Flowers will do, yeah. <laughs> will fix everything. Yeah, soup. Bring yeah. soup. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's that like as a young model where a big part of your identity is your beauty, but during treatment, you see your hair fall out and your body is being completely thrown out of whack. That's got to be especially tough. I was young and impressionable for yeah. sure, but I think my upbringing um, really safeguarded me yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was taught that looks are going to fade, right. um, that you can't bank too much on that. And it's such a small part of who you are mm-hmm. that even when my hair did fall out, I remember feeling like the chick of Empire Records yeah. when she shaves her head. Yeah, like and I felt kind of badass. Yeah. Um, and so it was hard, um, but it wasn't, that That for me was definitely yeah. not the hardest part. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that an Empire Records has made yeah. its way into this. Yes. That reference has made it into this podcast. <laughs> so what's the financial impact when it comes to going through cancer or any kind of critical illness like that? You, you obviously like your career is on hold. Your fight is the now. What does that do from a financial side for you? I will talk not for myself mm-hmm. right now because I was in an interesting position. Yeah. I hadn't even started my career. Yeah. Like I, I was super fortunate to have a partner and a family that supported me. Yeah. I cannot imagine being diagnosed now with small children oh. and what those young families have to go through mm-hmm. when it comes to finances. And so really, um, I mean, yeah, everything is put on hold. I, there was definitely years without or a year at least without income mm-hmm. and that's, and then there's the recovery, right? Like mm. there's just so much involved, yeah. but honestly, I, I'll never know the full effects of that. And even now, like I, I teach ca- um, cancer, sorry, I teach art classes for <laughs> cancer patients and survivors. Right. And I think about them and like other people within the community who they, there's just so many expenses involved that you wouldn't even think just to even get treatments. Like mm-hmm. you have to get a taxi to go there if you don't have anybody to support you. Like yeah. people who are single, living by themselves, going through treatments, right. my heart goes out to people in those totally. situations. Because so many people think that like you are in a hospital bed for these six weeks. No, you're, you're going back and forth from home. You have mm-hmm. to pick yourself out of bed to go to these treatments. And it's not like a somebody's waiting on you handed but no no oh. my goodness like a a new mom being diagnosed oh. i don't know how that would happen yeah yeah 
Okay, let's pause there for a second. As I was interviewing Brianne, I couldn't help but think about how overwhelmed I'd be after receiving that news or where I would even begin to get my affairs in order so I could focus on the fight ahead of me. I reached out to Chantel Shenbine, who is a workplace wellness specialist at Conexus, and I asked her, if I were to find out that I would need to take an extended leave from work due to illness, what would be covered for me and what steps should I take? This is what she had to say. Nathan, being prepared for an unexpected serious health issue is so important. Some of the things that you could proactively do to ensure that your finances are not negatively impacted if you were to become ill or if you need to take time away from work to care for a loved one or talk with your employer just to learn about benefits and types of leaves that would be available to you. I would also encourage you to review your group and individual health insurance plans to understand if you have a disability program that will support you financially while you're away from work and what impact it may have on your regular income. Some group benefit plans also offer critical illness. The money you receive can help to keep your household running and cover lost wages if a family member has to take time away from work to care for you. If you're unsure if this is something that you'd be eligible for, reach out to your employer or insurance provider. And if you don't have coverage and need time away from work, you can also research benefits that are offered through the Government of Canada. Uh, you may be eligible for financial support under the Sick Benefit Program or Caregiver Benefit Program. And then once you've gathered all that information, I would encourage you to reach out to your financial advisor. There are ways to help ease financial burden during these stressful times, and planning ahead can help you protect both your family and your financial security during an illness. Thanks, Chantel. If you were panicked or overwhelmed before that answer, how can you be now after listening to that soothing and calming voice? She's right though, it's never too early to proactively have that conversation with your financial advisor to make sure you are covered in case life throws you a curveball. And I'm talking to you 30 year old at home thinking you're happy, healthy, and this is a conversation you don't need to have right now. Brianne was 23 and this is something that she didn't even think would be on her plate for some time. So have that conversation now, you'll thank yourself later. Now let's throw it back to our interview and find out what came next for Brianne. So where did you draw your strength from? Um, that's a good question. I mean, obviously my, my family and my friends and I have, um, Pastor Craig Molner from, uh, St. Mark's Lutheran Church in the city. He's a super rad guy. Awesome. Um, and he would sit with me and practice stress relieving techniques mm -hmm. and he's super progressive and super forward when it comes to like yoga and all of those different things that can help you to become more mindful. Right. So People like that in the community were huge. Um, now I draw my strength from my kids, yeah. definitely, but also myself. Like people always under like downplay themselves. You need to be able to connect and dig deep within yourself. Totally. And and I've always had that like really independent, motivated um, yeah. push inside me. Totally, mm -hmm. it's so cliche, but like you truly do survive a hundred percent of your worst days. Like you find a way. Mm -hmm. So what else impacted your life through your cancer journey? Um, I would say 100% it has changed my perspective on on life mm -hmm. and on death right. and like not being scared of that yeah. in a weird way. I think that anybody who goes through any kind of grief needs to really sit in it yeah. um, to truly go through it. And I've been there. There's been some like really dark times, but I also like... I knew that 
I needed that. Like those really depressive days, I knew that I needed them in some ways yeah. to kind of process what I was going through to right. really feel it. And so now my um, my perspective on death has really changed. It's a really taboo topic. Topic people right. don't like to talk about it. Yeah. Get really uncomfortable. Yeah. But I'm starting to push it on people. Yeah. And what's something that you learned that about you, it? That you need to plan for it. That it's not a scary thing. It's going to happen to 100 yeah. percent of us. Like. I'm right now in the works. They're going to find out on this podcast here. I'm making an end of life plan Are pamphlet you? for my family that's <laughs> going to go out and it's going to be funny right. and it's going to be fun and it's going to ask them questions like, do you want egg salad sandwiches at your funeral? Yeah. No, no, I don't. No I, one does. My mom <laughs> is going to want bottles of Kim Crawford at her funeral. <laughs> and like, I just want it to be something that isn't as scary and yeah. Life is about living every moment right now. I'm not here to yeah. live a long life. I'm yeah. here to live one that matters and has impact and connection. Right. And that's what I want. And so I just, I really encourage people to talk about it. And it's not a scary thing. Yeah. And no flowers. No we, flowers. We've already done the flowers no. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess like the last way is just that it completely has opened my heart yeah. in ways that I couldn't have imagined. And so like right now within this pandemic, I'm following the rules and being safe for my great grandma, mm -hmm. but I'm also doing this for the people in waiting for surgery. Right. People who are waiting to discover that mm -hmm. they have cancer, right? Like that's the big thing is just, we need to hang on a little bit longer yeah. till we get this vaccine out there. And we know that those people are, are safe and getting what needs to be done. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about cancer either is that they think that you get cancer, you do all these tests, results are immediate. It is so much hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, even with dad, it was, well, we have your, we have your results, but we have to wait for a radiologist to read them. Mm -hmm. And when this whole COVID-19 gets layered over top of it, that prevents these, this cycle from moving the pace it needs to. So I just feel for all those people who are sitting at home waiting for yes. that news. Totally. So your treatment's done. Um, when you got that call to let you know that you're in the clear, what that, what is that like? It's, it's not as joyous as some people might think. Right. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But then you have to deal with what's next. Mm -hmm. And that is constant fear management yeah. and getting help to mm -hmm. manage that and to understand how to live life after cancer. Yeah. Um, go through recovery to try and feel like yourself again, yeah. which took at least a year. And then... I was also told um, there's post tests that you go through. I was told that we wouldn't be able to have kids. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. It was basically, no, sorry, this isn't going to work for you. And that was a big blow to Eric and I. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And then we had two miracle babies. <laughs> yeah, you showed them, hey? <laughs> <laughs> so right? what was that transition back into everyday life like and what I mean by every day is now your mindset is going from what if I'm not here to a I did it now I've got the rest of my life ahead of me mm, I transitioned pretty quick to how can I help how can I give back nice I kind of um I felt like I had to be there mm -hmm. in that story and I had to do something and so actually the first thing I did um once I felt back to myself and I think and, and I was pregnant with our first child because I became pregnant quite quickly. Right. Um, how, which, how soon after? Oh, um, I was finished treatments at the 
end of like 2014 and Winston yeah. came in 2015. Like it was fast. Wow. And that was scary to getting pregnant and just being like, am I yeah. okay? Can I, can I, should I? Like, like minutes after mm-hmm. you were told you can't have children, yeah. you got pregnant. Did yes. you send them like a gift basket to be right? like, I showed you? Right, just a picture of him smiling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, and so that was, um, that was interesting. Pregnant wanting to do something, also feeling like sick and pregnant, right? And I I started the idea of a fundraiser and that came about, um, I sat down with my friend Kiriako, who's a photographer, and actually had shot some pictures of myself in the past. The five stages, right? Yeah. yeah. And so we drew on grief and the effects of it. And then with my modeling background and how comfortable I felt with Kiriako Mm -hmm. and Sarah Lindsay, who was also involved, um, it was just natural and we created these five really powerful images mm-hmm. and then we had this art show and auction where we yeah. auctioned these off along with some other artwork um by canadian artists joe fafard and aaron ross and a, mm-hmm. a few others um and we raised like sixty five thousand awesome. dollars in a night yeah. and that was like my first taste of like whoa this feels really good yeah. and this is how i can come through right this is how i can feel okay yeah yeah so what came next from that um next would be winston came (laughs) winston was here and um after that i said okay i need to do something for myself kind of within the same vein and it needs to be really authentic and it needs to be what i what i'm really passionate about because at that point i knew that i i needed something that was true and impactful for right. myself and so art house yeah yeah this is where art house came from yeah, yeah yeah it's cool like so many people after something like this i could totally understand if they wanted to just fall into like a 95 nine to five worry less about like career um get a sustained sustainable income and just focus on reintegrating back into the world mm-hmm. but you were like nope life is short i'm jumping in and i'm doing something super authentic to myself and following my passion and you went with art house by brianna's at it correct and i also can't deny my privilege like i was in a position to be able to sit and really think about like yeah. i i had our baby and what would have been a mat leave i kind of instead chose to design a business plan and what that would look like and so I was very privileged to be able to do that definitely so what's that like for lots of people dream about that entrepreneurial life of what it's like to take a business plan and put it into action what was that like for you um I think it was really clear like for myself I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones who knows what they want to do yeah um and for me that's create I love to make things I'm a maker I'm an artist um Mm. I love to make people think um, when it comes to art and and I also, I'm a teacher, yeah, <laughs> right? And so I combine the two, like where I want people to appreciate art in a similar way that I do and give them more of an authentic art experience. Right. And so that's how Art House came to be. It's right. me working primarily as, a, as an artist. Yep. Um, I work with oils. I do a lot of portraiture work, that kind of thing. Right. But then I also teach classes. They're small, intimate classes, um, varying from all sorts of mediums, alcohol ink, paint, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I teach those free art classes to cancer patients and survivors, yeah. and that's been a, a really important part of Art House. Totally. And then lately, it, it was like I planned it. Um, <laughs> art House came out with Art House Art Kits, where okay. you can go on my website and you can 
purchase a kit where you can do artwork at home. You are so intuitive. Right? There it is, right? Just <laughs> just before COVID-19. Yeah. Actually, it was the Christmas before. Oh, really? Feb- yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was it was very timely and worked out well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. What's it like as a mother um, with with young kids and an entrepreneur, both things that roles that demand a lot of your time and capacity, how do you balance them? I don't think you do. Mm. I think I'm asking myself if I'm a shitty mom (laughs) or if I'm a shitty businesswoman. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And quite honestly, like I'm I'm also trying to change that narrative. I want to say I'm being a really good mom right now. I'm being a really good businesswoman right now. Right. right? And it's always going to go back and forth. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm working on it. I also, having gone through what I have, know that family is number one. Right. But really, I've just... I've wanted to take my my business further and yeah. upscale it, but I I'm in a position where it was just really hard to like I yeah. I can't and if I do I know how much my family will suffer yeah and if I I know that if I just wait that year until Shirley's hits grade one yeah then or two years a year and a half yeah. grade one it'll be a whole different story right right and yeah. so for somebody as like motivated as I am it's yeah. really hard yeah to kind of sit in that. And that this is just how it is right yeah, now. Totally. But Especially with your experience yeah. where you know that nothing is guaranteed and things can yeah. change on a dime. Hey. Yeah. It's a lot of themes I've I've personally learned through COVID nineteen is around giving yourself permission. And it seems like you've had to give yourself permission to be an entrepreneur and a mom and to feel no guilt around prioritizing one over the other right now. No, uh, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's a constant conversation you're having with yourself. And when you talk to other moms, you find it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, actually, we, we don't have childcare and I am full time with the kids and moonlighting as an artist. It's mm-hmm. pretty intense. Um, right. <laughs> and But it's actually just where we need to be right now with yeah. COVID and the online learning. And it's just how it is. Yeah. And and I'm accepting it. Right. I think that's a big thing is just accepting your situation yeah. and working with it. Totally. So where does your fight with cancer stand now? I right now I'm offering free art classes for cancer patients and survivors. And yep. I would never want that to go anywhere. I love it. The women are fantastic. But I will say that I am developing a new identity mm-hmm. and that I really do want a different life now. Like I've I've done this narrative for a while now mm-hmm. um, where I really have processed my journey and my story and I've been really public with it, really vulnerable. But I had somebody talk with me the other day about them being a widower right. and that they sat in their grief and how everybody looks at them right. like a widower. Yeah. And that's all they are. Yeah. And for a long time, not so much anymore, but people looked at me like a cancer survivor. Right. And that that it felt to me just not whole not complete and I I love sharing my story and I love any kind of positive impact that can come out of it but I know that there's so much more to me right and so right now I'm not closing that narrative but I'm putting it to the side yes it'll always be there but I'm really excited to move forward right and that's where I am I do not want to be looked at as a cancer survivor I want to be looked at as so much more yeah like you want that power to reveal that to people when you're ready yeah 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 and if they know they know that's great and if they ever want to talk about it I will happily talk about it totally but it's something where right now I don't wake up and I I don't want to think that way about myself anymore Yeah. yeah so what is the next steps for art house um right now i'm finishing up 
commissions. I'm putting out art kits as much as I can. Right. Um, yeah, I'll have some out in February. I'm not sure when this is airing, right. but there'll be some new art kits coming out then. I'll continue my courses, which actually I just finished up one this week. Yep. Um, and then, and then I don't know. I, I'll always be an artist. I'll always be making, right. but it could look like scaling up. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I'll lean on mentors to yeah. help me with that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I ever see a, so a storefront. Like right. I just don't think that that's smart right now, especially like I, yeah. I think that online is where I would want to be mm -hmm. and how to have a bigger presence that way. And I would need help. So what is something you've learned about being an entrepreneur that you didn't expect to learn? I think you go in with hopes of more flexibility and mm -hmm. there is definitely that right. for sure. I thought I would have so much more time, but that's never the case, yep. right? Where all of a sudden it becomes an extension of you. It's another baby yep. and you're, so I guess maybe that. Another thing I learned is just how strong the community is here in Regina yeah. and that you meet people and you're able to lean on them and them lean on you. And not only that, but just like watch them, right. watch their story. I love watching, like whether it's on Instagram or whatever and watching their businesses evolve. Mm -hmm. And the people who are really open about their entrepreneurial story yeah. really is inspiring Absolutely. to me. So you've had so much experience, life experience, jam-packed into a decade-ish of your life. How would you summarize some of your key learnings? Mm. It has been a decade. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's been a decade. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Oh, I'm not one to give advice just because we all live life so differently and we see things so differently. Right. For me, I'm practicing living slower and managing my stress levels. Um, what people don't know is that I still struggle from or suffer from, I guess, autoimmune problems. Oh, really? And so... My body will say no, but my mind will say yes. Yeah. And so I will go and do these big things. Um, I'll have a big art show or I did the Swinging with the Stars Regina, yes. which was so much fun. Yeah. And I'll do all these things and it's great. And I'm 100, I'm working 120% and that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really is who I am. But my body says no right. because I have a hard time. Um, sorry, I'm kind of taking this question no, in a weird place. This is, no, this is great. But I... I process stress in a really strange way. Yeah. I, I don't let it go. Yeah. I'll be, and it's it's not even that it's a bad stress. It, it'll just stick with me with what I need to do next. And I won't come down. And I'm actually taking the time right now to research stress cycles and how they work. But it's understanding stress. And when you don't let it go, when you don't find a way to release it, it becomes chronic stress. Oh, yes. And this is what I do. I will hold chronic stress in my body. And then when that stressful event is finally over, whether it was like a three-month thing or six-month thing, I will put myself in the hospital because of autoimmune condition. Right. And it's something that I really have to... It's it's a mindset change that I need, yeah. but there's also a bunch of things that people don't know that they can do to, at the end of the day, end their stress cycle. Yeah. And there's simple things. Number one, exercise. I've been on top of that lately and I'm feeling really, really great, but yeah. I do, I do come out of it. Like most yeah. people, it's ebbs and flows, right? Absolutely. Um, a 20 second hug can let your body know uh. that it's safe and it can relax. Um, there were, I think that there were like seven things within it. And then, that, that's where I am now. And yeah. I'm I'm on a journey of learning and becoming more mindful and 
that's all I can tell people. I can't right. tell people what to do, but I can just share my experience and where I am now. Yeah. Another thing over the decade um, that I've really practiced is being vulnerable. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's really scary. Mm-hmm. I come by it naturally. I have two other sisters. Um, we were oversharers. It's yeah. what we do. Yeah. And we share because it feels good. Yeah. And it lifts huge weight off of your body Absolutely. and off of your mind. That's why we do this. Like, this is why this podcast exists. We, a research study that we've done says 71% of people have worries, have lost sleep. It's affected their emotions, their personal relationships because of worries and stresses about money. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is for all of us just to feel empowered to have these vulnerable conversations, whether it's about money, whether it's about life, because when you say it out loud, you release and you get empowered. You feel like that girl from Empower Rec or Empire Records. Like you are, you feel like a badass and you're, you're on, con- you're in control of yes. things. Yeah. 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 It, it truly is. It releases you in a lot of ways, lets you let go. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is just letting go because having it sit in your, in your body is not a good thing. Totally. Thank you so much for the vulnerability you've shared. That is one hell of a story that you have. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're in the process of closing that chapter. And I just feel very privileged that you shared that with us. Um, And I'm really excited for the next chapter um, for Brianne. So before we let you go, I have some speed round questions that I'm going to hit you with. The goal is to connect with you on a completely different level with some, but some fun things as well. This is terrifying. This is my <laughs> worst nightmare. This yeah. is. I'm just going to throw that out there, but I'm going to loosen up. You're okay, in this. I'm yeah, ready. here we go. Take a deep <laughs> breath. All right. First one. Worst Christmas gift you've ever received. Oh, but my mom was so good at giving them. <laughs> Do you know what? I am. Um, I'm not the person for this question just because my mom would ask me every year what I would want. And yeah. I would say a surprise. Like I oh, had really? zero expectations. Yeah. Literally, whenever I get something, I'm so excited. Okay. So what's the best gift that you've gotten? Oh, my mom, when I was young, she gave me an easel, like a legit oh, easel nice. when I was young. And it had all the little oil paints Yeah, and it was just a thing of beauty. And I'll never forget that. So were you into art before that or did that, was that the spark? Mm, it was always in me. Like yeah. I just like to make things and then getting into grade seven is probably when it really took off. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I love to hear like when a parent brings, like it's a guitar or introduces yes. that first spark of creativity. Yeah, it was really cool. Next question. What's your New Year's resolution this year? I don't make them. You don't? No. Tell me why. Because I manage expectations. Yeah. And right now, all I'm trying to do is just like chill. And (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's my New Year's resolution is just no more resolutions. No expectations. Yeah. No expectations. Love that. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Um, What is your kryptonite snack food? Raisins. Raisins? I know. Raisins. I'm addicted. It's the worst. I'm a, I eat vegan. Like I'm a pretty clean eater. Yeah, um, clearly. But I have a bag of raisins that goes missing very oh. quickly. So you were that kid on Halloween when you'd get those those red sun box. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have traded with you for, for Mars bars any day. I would have been down. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oatmeal raisin cookies, number one. Raisins after that take a hard drop oh do you know what else i love the costco mangoes the dried mangoes yeah give them into those bag Mm yeah for sure okay you totally redeemed yourself there um when did you know that your partner eric was the one oh that's a great question and i knew it 
I had, um, I think everybody has these patterns that they follow in relationships. And for me, that pattern was relying on that other person to fix some of my problems, Mm -hmm. whether they were emotional or whatever they were. There was one day when he looked at me and he said, that's a problem that you need to figure out. And I, no matter what I say, will never make things better. Wow. And it was so powerful. And in that moment, I looked at him and I knew I had found my equal. Oh. It was like, I can't play mind games with you. (laughs) I can't. Like, you are my person. You have to be because you you are smarter than myself. This is great. Totally. Yeah. Love that. Um, You said you're a model. What is your secret to being photogenic? Just a big old smile. Yeah. Who says I'm photogenic? You got to work. I've seen photos. (laughs) The the Kiriakou ones you've done, like five stages of grief, like it just, or five stages, like you just... It, oh, uh, powerful. Oh, thanks. It's yeah. a, it, um, I think it just comes with your eyes mm. and the smile and just also feeling the right. feelings that you're supposed to feel. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to think about that next, next right? selfie I take. <laughs> um, okay. You have one day to yourself with no mom or entrepreneurial duties. How do you spend it? I'm at the Nordic spa. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm at the spa either in Kananaskis or in Winnipeg. Yeah. That is like my ideal day. Right. Mm-hmm. What is it about it? Oh, have you not been? You? No, I haven't. To go. It's a it's like a Scandinavian style spa where you go and there's steam rooms, saunas and cold plunge pools and warm and hot tubs. Okay. And it's all about this cycle. Oh. And you go around and there's meditation rooms and there's a wine bar where you can go and have delicious lunch. Like it is an all day like event. Like by yourself? I would go by myself, but I, I tend in the past, I've gone with like my mom and my sisters or my girlfriends or whatever. And it is a fantastic day. Right. If Regina or Saskatoon was to get one just outside of the city, like in Lumsden, I'm telling you, if this isn't in the works, somebody listening to this needs to make it happen. Yeah, listen up. Like Mm -hmm. Brianne gave you her tips on starting an entrepreneurial venture and now we're giving you the next big idea. This is funny because my sister has actually looked at um, like the business plan of what it would take to start it here in Sask. And yeah. she's has her own career kind of thing, but right. she, her and I desperately want this here. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I would do. I love that. Um, what song do you absolutely belt in your car? Oh, Adele. Really? All the time. Yeah, any yes. particular Adele song? Um, Hello? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in California. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds really good. Oh, that's great. Um, last question. What connects us? What connects us? Our spirits, our, our love, our ability to reach out and be open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really am I'm drawn to people that are open in that way mm-hmm. and I hope that my energy brings people into me as well. It does. Absolutely. Speaking of your energy, this was electric. I really appreciate you taking some time to being a guest on the What Connects Us podcast. Like I said, your story is one that I think we can all draw a lot of perspective from and I appreciate every ounce of strength that you gave to tell us this, but also, like I said, you're moving on in your journey and you're being shameless about it. You're moving on. And I, and I think that's super inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for what comes next. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. If you like the podcast, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button and give the post a like, comment, or a share. We'll see you in two weeks. Till then, Rand and I are going to go look up Nordic spas. Yes, we are. <laughs>